talking about righteousness for about three weeks. Now, how many of you know that you are the very righteousness of God in Christ Jesus? 2 Corinthians 5.21 says he has been made Christ to be sin. That word made means he constructed him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made, and that word's not the same made. That word is, has begun to be, come into existence. We have come into existence, the very righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Woo, hold my mule. You are the righteousness of God. We've been talking about it. Kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, and what? Joy in the Holy Ghost. And he that in these things serves God is approved of man, accepted of God, approved of man. Amen? Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. That's what it's all about. So we've been talking about that. So I want to talk about something now in Hebrews. It's called an evil heart of unbelief. How many of you know in Ezekiel 36, 26, God said, I'll give you a what? A new heart and a new spirit. And I'll take away that stony heart of unbelief. And I'll give you a heart of faith. That's the new heart. And he says, I'll put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my ways. See, that old evil heart of unbelief, I hate to say it, but it's still hanging around. When he says, I'll take away that old evil heart, he means that word says, I'll set it aside. See, and you know one thing about the exchange life and having a new heart, you can give out of a cheerful heart. The old heart's too stingy to give anything. You have to put it under the law to make it give anything. That's why tithing's under the law. That's not you. That's not who you are. That's who you were. And, and that's what I want to talk about today. So let's look. Let me start in Hebrews chapter 5. Oh, thank you, Lord. Hebrews chapter 5. I'm just going to start the first verse. All right. For every high priest taken from among men is ordained for men pertaining, in things pertaining to God that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sin. Who can have compassion on the ignorant and on them that are out of the way? Christ can. For that he himself also is compassed about with infirmities. Who inf- whose infirmities was he encompassed about with? Ours. He took our infirmities and he took our griefs. Isaiah 53. And by reason thereof he ought, as for the people, as so for himself, offer for sins. For no man takes this honor to himself, but he that is called of God as Aaron. So also Christ glorified not himself to be made a high priest, But he said unto him, Thou art a son, this day have I begotten thee. And he said in another place, Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death and was heard in that he feared. You know, I thought about when I read that, I think of Jesus in the garden three times. He said, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. If it be possible, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And he said, Jesus said, I came not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Though he was a son, yet learned he obedience by the things he suffered. Why did he suffer it? For us. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. And being made perfect, he became. That word became is the same word that we read in in 2 Corinthians 5.21 about us 
being made, he began to be, he came into existence through the things he suffered. Did you catch that? He became the author of eternal salvation through the things he suffered, being made perfect through his suffering. Called of God, a high priest after the order of Melchizedek, of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered, seeing that you are dull of hearing. Catch the dull? Now, we talked last week, why the dullness? Paul, I say it was Paul. Some people would say not. But Paul wrote this letter to the Hebrew Christians who were going back, mixing grace and law. Mixing the grace, going back under. Remember 2 Corinthians chapter 10? He says, when he goes back, he says, let us not draw back. We're not of those that draw back into the old law, but those that believe to the saving of the soul. Okay? So he's talking about drawing back and going back. And he says, For when the time you ought to be teachers, you have need one teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God, and become as such have need of milk and not strong meat. For everyone that uses milk is unskillful. It means inexperienced in the word of righteousness. That's why we've been talking for three weeks here. So you'll understand the word of righteousness is that you're as righteous as you're ever going to be. Because God made you the very righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And you remember Paul said in Romans 10, he says, My prayer for Israel is that they might be saved. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves to the righteousness of God. Submitted to it. All you do is receive it. Take it in. And he said, but strong meat belong to them that are full age, even who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Your senses exercised to discern both good and evil. So we see that. You, come, you become dull of hearing. Now, we talked about this last week. Remember, it says in 2 Corinthians, it says, Even today, when Moses is read, there is a veil that you're not in, able to see to the end of the thing. There's a veil over reading Moses today. And that causes you to be dull of hearing. So mixture, mixing grace and law together, causes you to be dull of hearing and having a hard time getting established in the word of righteousness. You need that foundation. That's why chapter 6 starts not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works. You don't need to keep redoing that all the time. And all the other foundational things that Christ has already laid for us. All right, now we got that. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews 3. Okay, here we go. Verse 1, Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the high priest of our profession. And what does profession or confession mean? To say the same thing he said, is what it says in the Greek. Who was faithful to him that appointed him as Moses was faithful in all his house. For this man was counted worthy of more glory than Moses, inasmuch as he that built the house has more honor than the house. For every house is built by some man, but he that builds all things is God. Amen. Moses verily was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which were to be spoken afterward. But Christ as a son over his own house. Say, that's me. Whose house are we? If. Big if, isn't it? We hold fast the beginning of our confidence and rejoicing first, firm unto the end. What was that first? 
By grace you're saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ to do good works. We don't do good works to be justified. We do good works because we are justified. If you hold the beginning of the confidence because the God of this world wants to pull you back in to striving and struggling because Romans 8 says there is no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, Jesus did. Say it's finished. finished. Author and the finisher of what? Our faith. Seven. Wherefore the Holy Ghost said, today if you will hear his voice. See, there's that if. You know, hearing his voice is not automatic. How many times did Jesus say, he that hath ears to hear, let him hear. He that hath ears to hear, let him. There's things that block or stop your ability to hear. 2 Corinthians 4, 4. The God of this world has blinded the minds of them that believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ should shine unto them. He wants to blind you to what Christ has done. It says, today if you'll hear his voice, what do you do? Harden not your hearts, as in the propagation in the wilderness in the day of temptation, when your fathers tempted me. And proved me 40, day, 40 years. I was grieved with that generation and said they do always err in their hearts and they have not known my ways. Why is that? They're, they were in the old heart. See, what does God say about the old heart? It's deceitful and desperately wicked, right? And with the heart, we believe for a new heart. God has set eternity in the heart of every single person in this world, a divinely implanted sense of purpose that nothing under the sun but God can satisfy so that they may find out the works of God. You know, some of the versions say so that they cannot. That's strange. But the key is he put eternity so you can find out what he's done from the beginning of the end. That's why he gives you a new heart. And the natural mind is not subject to God, the scripture says. It's not subject to God, but we have the mind of Christ. That's why God said, my ways are not your ways, and my thoughts are not your thoughts. They are now. Say, they are now, because we have the mind of Christ. So I swear in my wrath that they shall not enter into my rest. And then he goes on, take heed, brethren. This is where I was going. Lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief, <clears throat> in departing from the living God. Take heed who? Brethren. Lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. And that's my point I want you to say. Keep your heart with all diligence. For out of it are the very issues of life. That old evil heart of unbelief is over there. And the devil is trying your faith. The trying of your faith is more precious than gold that perish. Though it be tried with fire, might be found in the praise, known and glory at the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ. Holding that beginning confidence, how long? Steadfast till how long? To the end. He paid for it all. He did it all, and I'm not moving. I'm not moving from what he did. It's not about what I do. See, that evil heart of unbelief wants you not to believe what he's done for you, and he wants to pull you back into you trying to do something to make it. So he'll be, you'll feel like you're accepted of him. There is a way that seems right. 
But the end there is the way of death. <clears throat> He'll pull you into thinking, if you just fast, if you'll just pray, if you'll just do this, God will be, you'll be accepted. No. Ephesians 1.6 said, he has made you accepted. You begin to be. You come into being accepted through what Jesus did for you. And that issue is settled forever. You're already accepted. You can't make yourself accepted. But that evil heart of unbelief will try to pull you out, pull you back into that. But it says, <clears throat> take heed lest there be in any of you an evil heart of un- in departing from the living God. See, in the last days, it says evil men and seducers are going to get worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But continue thou in the things you've learned, been assured of, and that's right. Your foundation's right. For no other foundation can any man lay than that which Christ has already laid. So if you build on that foundation, it says then we'll go on to perfection or maturity. Building on the right foundation. <coughs> but exhort one another every once in a while. That's why we have a coffee shop over here. Some of these guys that come like Connie need it every day, don't you, Connie? Some of us need it every day to exhort one another what? Into what Christ has done for us. For we are made partakers of Christ. What is that wording there again? If we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the day, to, to the end. While it is today, if you don't harden your hearts, some when heard did provoke, howbeit not all come out of Egypt. But whom was he grieved with forty years? Was it not them that had sinned, whose carcass fell in the wilderness? And whom did he swear that they should not enter to the rest, but to them that believe not? Now see, believing not is what caused it. So they could not enter in because of what? Unbelief. They didn't believe he was able to take them in. <clears throat> Are you with me? You know, this last week, Marion got up and spoke, and he said this at the coffee shop. He says, Marion says, why is it easier to believe in a God that was than a God that is? And when he said it, we all witnessed to what he said. Why is it easier to believe in a God that was instead of a God that is? It's because of this evil heart of unbelief wants to pull you back into a different dispensation to say all that stuff's passed away. And the church has done everything it can to pull you back into believing God can't do what he used to do. Because he's a God that was, not a God that is. Well, I was meditating on that. Unbelief causes you to go back to a God that did things instead of believing into a living God that's doing things. Let me say that again. Unbelief causes you to go back to a God that did things instead of believing into a God that is doing things. The problem's not God. The problem's with us and an evil heart of unbelief. Malachi 3.6 says, For I am the Lord God, I change not. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? I change not. So we can't change. We got to exchange. You can't change either. If you're in Christ, you're a what? New creation. Old things are passed away and all things have what? Become new. So we see there's a problem here. The law of sin causes you not to be able to see. Let's look in Matthew chapter 13. I want to look at the parable of the sower. 
Now, you do know I'm not talking about y'all. I'm just throwing this out in case somebody accidentally gets around somebody that's got an evil heart of unbelief and departing from the living God. And your job is to exhort them to contend for the faith that was once delivered. Amen? That's why I appreciated John Osteen. I'm, I'm telling you, go back and listen to it. You know, we can all begin to be a little hardened from the experience of the baptism of the Holy Spirit and casting out devils and doing all these things. You know, we, we need to be reminded of what he said. The first thing he said to the believers, in my name, you'll cast out devils. Yes. I could count on one hand the people I know in this whole part of the country that cast out devils. I'm talking about leaders. That's the first thing you do. What's happened? We've been dumbed down. <laughs> and believing the God that was instead of God that is. You know, Jen and I was talking this uh, uh, fall, October, we're going to have another glory meeting. And last time I asked Jimmy Lau to come, do it, you know, they got snowed out and couldn't come. We haven't asked them to come this October. Jimmy Lau was with Frank Hammond. Actually, Frank moved down from Colorado to Plainview to be with Jimmy. There's not a man in this world today that I know of cast out more demons than Jimmy Lau. He's 82 years old, and he's still casting out demons nearly every day. Every day. People come from everywhere. He said, I don't know how they get their name, but every day they come. He's still casting out devils. So we're going to invite them to come, because I feel like this may be the last chance we get to honor what he's done all these years. Because he's been faithful. <clears throat> and by the way, Frankie's going to be here next weekend. Frankie, I told him Frankie and Tanya will be here. So he didn't get to preach but about once every six months, I think. Is that about right? Maybe. No, once or twice a year, I think it is. But so he'll be ready to preach. He's from this church. And Rama. I'm going to have a drink. Go ahead and have a drink if you want one. All right. Where are we at? Matthew 13. Yes. All right. Janet, come stand up here with him. Mm. Thank you, Father. This action that you're taking with Jimmy Lau, hmm. It's ending a season, and it's opening up a new one. Mm. It's honoring our forefathers. Mm. I believe that Jimmy, his time may not be as much on this earth anymore, and Mm -hmm. you are right. It may be the last time, and it is opening up an anointing. Mm. It is opening up a door. It's like the eastern gate that has been shut up all these years, Mm. and God is coming to visit and open up that east gate where the glory comes in. Mm. So honor, honor, honor. Honor, 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 because it is opening up a window of heaven that has not really been touched yet in the Texas panhandle. And it's, I believe it's going to end the curse of drought. I believe it's going to open up not just the rain of heaven, but the sign and the wonder of the goodness of what is happening in all this is going to be that the rain will start falling in copious amounts like we haven't seen in a long time. In Jesus' name. Amen. We receive that. Hallelujah. You know, if you listen to John Osteen, you'll see that 
that's what he's saying about the baptism, casting out devils. I mean, he was a demon chaser. And you know, the thing is, I watched Frank Hammond and Jimmy for a lot of years and got in. I was with them two or three times a month. And I watched how they ministered to people from all over the world would come in and even local people would come in and do like they did me. They call me up and ask me if they can come get deliverance, but they want to pull up to the back door so nobody will see them. I watched them in that little church struggle for years, ministering to people all over the world. And everybody making fun of Frank Hammond. I saw the pastors on TV talking about him and laughing about what he was doing. But I got to see before he passed away in Colorado Springs, they had this deliverance conference at the big church up there. And I saw several thousand men get up and applaud Frank for his faithfulness. And I said, thank you, Lord, that at least before his death, he got to be honored for the battle he fought through for all those years. And see, that's the thing. That's what's contending for the faith. Contend for the faith that was once delivered to you. Don't let it slip. Okay? Don't let it slip. Don't let men, don't let people, don't let the devil try to pull you back down into being, why don't you just calm down? You know, Mike, you don't have to be so radical. You know, you could be a little calmer. And you know, it might not offend somebody that comes in if you just calm down. Yeah, I was telling him about crabology. Mumford says, talked about crabology. He says, you put a bunch of crabs in a bucket, you don't have to put a lid on it because every time one of them starts to climb out, another one reach up there and pull him back in. See, we don't, we don't want to be conformed, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed, exchanged into what God made you. And then contend for that faith that was given to you. Don't move. Stand fast. Don't move. Be moved in what you believe. I don't know where all that comes from. But <clears throat> all right. Okay. The same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the sea, and a great multitude were gathered together to him that he went into the ship and sat, and the whole multitude stood on the shore. And he spake to them many things. Behold, a sower went forth to sow. <clears throat> and when he had sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the fowls came and devoured them up. Some fell on stony places where they had not much earth, and there, wherewith they sprang up and had no depthness of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. But some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprung up and choked them. But others fell into the good ground and brought forth fruit, some a hundred, some thirty, some sixty fold. Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. And his disciples came and said to them, Why do you speak unto them in parables? And he answered and said, Because it is given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them... It's not given. Now, did you catch that? To you, it's given to understand the mysteries of the kingdom. See, Paul understood the mysteries of the kingdom. Paul explained that to us, and the Holy Ghost has come to us to, to reveal to us the mysteries of the kingdom. And he says, For whosoever hath to him shall be given and have more abundance. But whosoever hath not from him will be taken away even that he has. Therefore, I speak to them in parables. Why? Because they seeing, see not, and hearing, they hear not. Neither do they understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, which saith, By hearing you shall hear, 
and not understand, and seeing you shall see and not perceive. Why is this a problem? For this people's heart is wax gross. Their ears are dull of hearing. Their eyes catch the word. They have closed. Who closed them? They did. They didn't want to hear. How many times when God spoke to them, said they turned their back and said, we'll not hear this. And because they wouldn't hear, they couldn't hear. Because of what Isaiah says here. Lest at any time they should see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and be converted, and I should heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for you see, and your ears, for they hear. Verily I send you that many prophets and righteous men have desired to see those things which you see and have not seen them, and to hear those things which you hear and have not heard them. And then he explains it. Hear therefore the parable of the sword. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and understands it not, then comes the wicked one, catches away that which was sown in the heart, that on the wayside. But he that received the seed on the stony place, the same hears the word, with joy receives it, yet hath no root in himself. Endures for a while, yet when tribulation and persecutions arrive because of the word saved, they're offended. And he that received the seed among the thorns is he that hears the, the word and the what? Cares of this world, the distractions of this world, the deceitfulness for riches choke the word and they become unfruitful. But he that receives seed into the good ground, the good ground, God said, I'm going to give you a good heart and I'm going to put my word in your heart. And he says, Here's the word and understands it. Also bears fruit. Brings forth some 30, 60, and 100 fold. See, he says, to you it's given, but to them it's not given. Why? Because Isaiah said, who hath believed the report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, a root out of dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness, and no beauty that you should see him. They couldn't hear it. Couldn't hear it because they chose to close their eyes. You remember, oh yeah, okay. In John chapter 12, I want to go ahead and cover this before I go back to John chapter 9. I talked to them in the coffee shop about this because I don't even think I had it in my notes. In John chapter 12. Okay, John chapter 12. Verse 35, Jesus said, Yet a little while is the light with you. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness come upon you. For he that walks in darkness knows not where he goes. While you have the light, believe in the light, that you may be children of the light. That's who you are. Say, that's who I am. These things spoke Jesus and departed and did hide himself from them. But although, but though he had done so many miracles before them, yet believed they not on him. That the saying of Isaiah might be fulfilled which spake, Lord, who hath believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Isaiah 53. That's the best chapter in the Bible. That tells you everything that Jesus has done for you. Therefore, they could not believe. Say, could not believe. Do you see that? Because they would not believe, they could not believe. Because Isaiah said, He hath blinded their eyes, hardened their hearts, that they should not see with their eyes, nor understand with their hearts, and be converted, and I should heal them. 
You know, he's talking about the children of Israel here. But one of the things of Isaiah, it says that he's done this to them, but he said, but a tenth he spared. A remnant has ears to hear now. And because the blindness in part has happened to Israel because of their unbelief, it opened a door for the Gentiles to come in. And he says, until the day of the Gentiles be fulfilled to make them jealous. And then it says what? Their eyes are going to be opened again. Well, the only way their eyes is going to be opened is to see him whom they crucified. And that's what they're going to see. And the Holy Spirit is going to do just with them just like he did to us. And Jesus said, they're all going to be saved. And all Israel shall be saved in the day. We're in that glorious time right now where we get the benefits of their closing. But Paul is making the point here. Don't be high-minded. Okay? Don't be lifted up with pride because it's happened. Because, you know, you know you, that evil heart of unbelief is not far off. Give me an amen. Yeah. You don't want to go back to that evil heart of unbelief. So when Jesus came to the man that was blind in chapter 9. And he made some spittle and put it in his eyes and told him to go wash in the pool. And he went and washed and he came back seeing. And he went into the temple and he'd been blind from birth. And the Pharisees and the religious bunch said, who is this? And he says, are you the one that's been blind from birth? And he said, I am. But he said, this man made spit. He spit on the ground, made spit. I wonder how he knew that. Somebody had to tell him. He was blind. He couldn't see that. Somebody had to tell him what he did. And he said, he made spittle and put it on my eyes. And I went and washed and I came seeing. And they said, who is this man? He said, his name is Jesus. And they said, this can't be. Somebody would do this on the Sabbath when it's not lawful to heal on the Sabbath. Who is this man? And he said, well, this is a marvelous thing. He said, I don't think it's ever been recorded that a man opened the eyes of the blind. And this man said, dear, it is a marvelous thing that this man has made me whole. And you don't even know who he is. And they said, well, you tell us who he is. He said, do you want to be his disciples? He said, no, we're Moses' disciple. And he, they kicked him out of church. How many of you besides my wife and I has had the blessing of being kicked out <laughs> Joseph, there's a few of you. Hallelujah. You've been kicked out. They kicked him out because of what he believed. It's not so bad. It's not so bad. I thank God every day for getting me kicked out of there. Oh, thank you, Lord. I didn't realize it at the time. But you know, it's just this man said in verse 30, chapter 9, verse 30. The man answered and said to them, Why, here is a marvelous thing that you know not from whence he is, yet he opened my eyes. And, he, and they said, And we know that God doesn't hear sinners, but if this man is a worshiper of God and doeth his will, he hears him. Since the world began, is it not heard that any opened the eyes of the man born blind? If this man were not a God, he could do nothing. They answered and said to him, You were altogether born in sin. Are you trying to teach us? And they cast him out. Jesus heard that they'd cast him out of church. And when he had found him, he said, Do you believe on the Son of God? And he answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I might believe? Jesus said, You have both seen him, and it is he that talks with you now. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. 
And Jesus, now catch this. Catch this. For judgment I have come into the world that they that see not might see and those that do see might be made blind. That's the religious bunch. And some of the Pharisees which were there heard him. And they said, are we blind also? And Jesus said, if you were blind, you should have no sin. But now you say you see, therefore your sin remains. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that entereth into the door of the sheepfold is the good shepherd. The thief cometh not but for to steal and kill and destroy, but I've come that you might have life and have it what? Abundantly. You know, it goes on in chapter 21 here, and uh, chapter, chapter 10. It says in verse 19, there was a division among them, among the Jews, saying, Many of them said, He has a devil. He is mad. Why do you listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of him that hath the devil. Can the devil open the eyes of the blind? Isaiah forty four eighteen says, They have not known nor understood. For he has shut their eyes that they cannot see, and their hearts that they cannot understand. Ezekiel twelve two says, Son of man, you dwell in the midst of a rebellious house, which have eyes to see, but they can't see. They have ears to hear, but they cannot hear. For they are a rebellious household. Luke 9, 44. Let these sayings seek down into your ears. For the Son of Man shall be delivered into the hands of men. But they understood not the sayings. And it was hid from them that they perceived it not. And they feared to ask him the saying. How many times did Jesus say unto the disciples, How is it you don't have any understanding? How is it you don't have any faith? And it says they didn't understand. Luke eighteen thirty one. Then he took the, the twelve aside and said, Behold, we go to Jerusalem. The things which are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man shall all be accomplished. For he will be delivered into the hands of the Gentiles. He will be mocked. He will be spit upon, spotlessly entreated. Spit on and shall scourge him and put him to death. And the third day he shall rise again. And they understood none of these things. And the saying was hid from them, neither knew they the things which were spoken. The same thing still happened to Christians today. I've watched it over and over, and Jana has too. When we start talking to someone about the exchange of the soul, that Jesus died in the garden so you could have a new soul, your mind, will, and your emotion, because it's in Isaiah 53, verse 10, 11, and 12, who, that, says, that says it pleased God to crush him, to make his soul an offering for sin. And he said, God shall see the travail of his soul in the garden and be satisfied. And by his knowledge shall my righteous one justify many because he shall bear their sins. In the garden, when Jesus died for you to have a new soul, new mind, will, and emotion, when we get there, taking people through the exchange, I don't know how many, many, many times I see this veil, this blindness come over the people, just like he's talking about here, where they can't hear. I had one pastor tell me one time, when you started this, my ears plugged up, I can't hear a word you're saying. It's a demon. It's a God of this world that wants you not to hear the fact that you don't have to live with your old emotions, your old mind, will, and emotions. Jesus came to give you a new one, a new soul. 
And that's where that's, I see it so many times that blindness happens. Most of the time you have to stop right then, take authority over that spirit and command it to go so they can stay with you. Or a spirit of escape, they just fall asleep. And it's a demon. Because he don't want them to hear. He can't do nothing about you getting saved. But most of the church don't understand. They're trying to get you to save your old soul. Jesus said, he that saveth his soul will lose it. But he that loses his soul will have a new one. Regenerated one. A new soul. That's the blindness that the enemy wants to put on you so you don't understand the gospel. That's not just for people that doesn't lost people. Christians are blinded to these things because the enemy don't want you to know who you are. Give me an amen. Oh, me. But see what happened to the disciples. Jesus stayed over 40 days after the resurrection trying to explain to them the things of the kingdom. And they said, well, it's you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel. He said, I give up. I'm going on back. He said, you go to Jerusalem and you stay there till you've been empowered with power from on high. Because when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he's going to lead and guide you into all truth. Because he's not going to speak of himself, but everything he's here, he's going to, from me, he's going to tell it to you. He's going to show you things to come. Then you'll understand it. But now you're not going to understand it until you make the exchange. Till you make the exchange. Then you'll understand it. Apart from the Holy Spirit, it's impossible for you to understand. Because you're blinded, yes. Oh. When I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that night I went to bed and I literally saw a hand lifting a veil. Really? Really? Yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. When I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, uh, that night I was in bed and I was just praising the Lord when I literally saw a hand lift a veil and it went from left to right and it lifted a veil that night. Yes. Because it says that veil is lifted in Christ. Yes. It's lifted. That's right. But it was after the baptism of the Holy Spirit. All right. There you go. And I had been in, you know, denomination all those years. Right. Saved. In part. You're saved. You're going to heaven when you die. Yeah. But you're having a hell of a time getting there. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's a word. Just yeah. a few more weary days and you'll fly away. But see, he came so that you might have life and have it abundantly. Now. Now, all these things that Jesus did are for now. You won't need them when you get there. You're going to be like him. Yes. For you're going to see him as he is. Yes. See, that's, that's the thing the enemy's tried to put it all in the future. Someday. Someday you'll be like him if you'll just change. Only problem is you'll never change. Because the old thing cannot what it says the natural mind is not subject to God and never can it be but we have the mind of Christ see that's what he did for us and and so that's why Jesus said to the disciples I have many things I'd like to tell you but you can't hear them it's obvious you can't hear them how be it when he the spirit of truth has come he will lead and guide you into all truth I am the way the truth and the life He'll guide you into all of that. So apart from the Holy Spirit, and see, that's why it's, it's, you know, I praise God for what Mike did. You know, when I listened to John Osteen, 
1964 at Denver, Colorado, Full Gospel Businessmen's Convention. I said, I sat right there, and I swear, I believe I heard Garland laughing. He was sitting right there by Demas Securian. That's her stepfather. He was in full gospel. I've heard that laugh too many times not to have caught it. He was there. But see, the thing is, you build yourself up on the most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. You allow the Holy Spirit. You stir these things up in you. He didn't give them to us. That's why Paul said to, to Timothy, Timothy, God didn't give you that spirit of fear, that timidity to draw back and not let the Holy Spirit. He didn't give that to you. Stir up, rekindle the gifts of the Holy Spirit that's within you. See, and that's who we're supposed to be. We were never intended to be, quote, normal. Whatever that means. If you want to know who you are, you've got to have the Holy Spirit to lead and guide you into all truths. I've talked to this one pastor. He said, I believe that. But we don't allow none of that in church. Now, on Sunday nights, once a month, we'll let that work. Once a month. What's the Bible say? Grieve not the Holy Spirit, whereby you're sealed to the day of redemption. Don't bottle him up. Tell him when he can move when he can. He tells you when you can move and when you can't. That's the way it ought to be. As many as are led by the Spirit, they are the sons of God. Allow the Holy Spirit to lead and guide you. Don't be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God to salvation to everyone that believes. To the Jew first and also to the Greeks. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed. In the gospel. Well, I'll finish it later. To you it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom. To you it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom. Freddie said something this morning. It was funny. He was in the shower and he was talking to God. And he said, God, I hadn't heard you in so long. And he was carrying on the conversation and God was talking to him. And he said, I hadn't heard you in so long. Yeah, I know. I hadn't heard you in so long. He got tickled because God was sitting there talking to him, and he was saying, I'm not hearing you. Something wrong with this picture. But isn't that the case a lot of times? He's talking to us constantly, but we don't think it's him. I'm going to pray. All right. All right, I'm going to do that. Because y'all stand, and we're going to pray together. I want to read this to you first. In Ephesians 1.14, Paul's praying for the church at Ephesus. Verse 16, he said, uh, verse 15. Wherefore, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and unto all this, the love for the saints, I ceased not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation into the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him in his own right hand in heavenly places 
far above all principalities, power, mights, and dominion, and every name that is named, not only this world, but that which is to come, and hath put all things under his feet, and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that fills all in all. That's who you are. Now, Father, I pray for all of us that the eyes of our understanding may be enlightened, that we might know what you have done for us and not be moved from this thing. Lord, help us contend for what you've already done for us and let us, Lord, see that we keep asking for things you've already given to us. Lord, let us see that in you we have all the fullness of God and all the fullness dwells in us because you dwell in us and we're in union with you. And Lord, I thank you, Lord, that our eyes will be opened. That we might see, see all the things you've freely given to us. And we bind that deaf spirit, that blind spirit in the name of Jesus. And we command that veil to go in Jesus' name. All unbelief, command the spirit of unbelief to go. Command that hard heart to go, to go back to where you were set aside. And we, we receive the new heart with life and peace. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Jesus' name, right now. All right. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord has made his face to shine upon you and has been gracious to you. The Lord has lifted up his countenance upon you and given you peace. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.